Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Welcome to the Mystery to Me podcast. I'm Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And we love movies and television shows with a whiff of mystery. Mystery to Me will feature us riffing on murder mysteries, film noir, cozy detective stories, police procedurals, psychological thrillers, legal dramas, tales of teen sleuths, and more. Once we're done yucking it up about whatever we've just seen, we'll serve up our five-star final takes on whether it's worth your time. If you're offended by silliness, profanity, political asides, canine-related interruptions, and losers laughing at their own bad jokes, beware. Also note that some of the stories we'll be talking about are pretty dark, and in some cases exceptionally badly written. So content warning for murder, violence, suicide, torture, rape, racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, and bigotry. If there's a movie or show you'd like for us to talk about, email us at mysterytomepodcast at gmail.com. Our show's take on genre is pretty loosey-goosey. So as long as your suggestion has some dash of mystery, we're interested in hearing about it. Spoiler alert, we're going to be discussing the entirety of this show or movie, spoilers and all. So if you want to be surprised, press pause, go watch the thing, then join us for the show. Now that you've heard our spiel, go ahead and polish off those magnifying glasses and slip into your favorite trench coat. Let's get mysterious. What did we watch? Well, Kevin, we just watched Snake Eyes, uh, part one and part two, the first two episodes of the second season of Quincy Emmy. <laughs> I didn't know what the exact title was. I was going to say Dr. Quincy Medical Examiner, but that would have been a little well, that, bit that, too formal. Yes, he's, he's a much more casual person. And these, of course, aired on February 4th and February 4th. 1977. It was a two-parter that night. People were, were the, the Quincy fans were eating well. <laughs> now, I, I imagine, as hard as it may be to believe, I imagine there are some people out there who are not familiar with Quincy yeah. Emmy. What, what, what is this? Of course, I know. But you know, you, you were a, you were one of the OG viewers, right? Yes. Yeah, I, I. Uh, I'm a little bit older than you. Yeah. I know my mom and my granddad loved to watch this show. This was one of their shows, along with later on Murder, She Wrote. They like their mysteries. Um, I've caught Quincy Emmy here and there. It's one of those things that's always on me TV. But what is it? Um, it's like Does medical examiner it's a, television. It's a procedural. It's a it's a procedural criminal procedural. But instead of focusing on the cops, it focuses on a medical examiner who uses his a coroner. A coroner, technically he's a medical examiner, though, because coroners are different. It's all this legalese, but anyways, uh, Jack Klugman, Klug, how do you say that? 
Is that what I'm saying? Jack Klugman. Jack Klugman. He's this erasable uh, guy who's a uh, forensic pathologist and is a doctor who solves crimes, essentially. And so typically the structure is somebody comes to him and is like, this guy died of a suicide. And he's able to be like, no, this guy was murdered. And then he looks into it. And so that's sort of the basic premise. Totally, totally, totally disregards what forensic pathologists actually do. But it's fun and we all are having a good time. So who cares? It's actually anesthesiologists that solve crimes. (laughs) Yeah, my dad. (laughs) Your dad's an anesthesiologist, doesn't he? Often (laughs) solve crimes. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) <laughs> the mystery of the missing epidural. <laughs> yeah, I, I, they should do they should do crime stories for every type of doctor, so everyone's represented. Like podiatry. I mean, honestly, the anesthesiologists. I mean, a lot of physicians nowadays have to deal with like the DEA and you know making sure no one's selling any drugs on the black market or anything. So I mean, there is there is an element of you know. So your dad. His show, what what do they call an anesthesiologist? Would it be Kane anesthesiologist, or is it like a snappy name? Like I don't M-A- know if there's a snappy name to be honest. It's they're just the Doctor Sleep or something. I don't know, but that sounds like he's a murderer. Then so we yeah, don't want I, that. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. We don't want to go there. I, I, is your dad litigious? Is he going to sue us now? Oh no, Dad. We, we love you. We're just we're just trying to we're just trying to get you to the next level in Hollywood. <laughs> Yeah, Doctor Sleep sounds like he's the killer. It is actually, isn't that a but Stephen that King what, book? I mean, I know they're not literally. Is that a, is that a Stephen King? That book? is also a Stephen King book. So we're so gonna also get sued, sued by Stephen King. So in just one my fell dad, swoop, my dad and Stephen King are gonna have to team up to stop us. Now that sounds like a pretty good show. Yeah, oh my, and then they solve a mystery along the way. Yeah, Stephen King and his anesthesiologist. Oh my god. Well, I think we do, I think we're on to something here. Lawsuits aside. <laughs> does does your dad know Stephen King? I imagine an I, anesthesiologist I don't believe meets so. people from all walks of life. He does. He's he, I It'd be like an anthology type of show like Love Boat. Even if he ever Does he like bring <laughs> oh, yeah, couples together? <laughs> well, kind of because I mean when when he, he takes care of people who are giving birth and if somebody is you know, that brings a couple together when the woman who's giving birth isn't, you know, screaming and freaking out. So in a way, he does bring couples together. So it's like the love doctor. I don't know about that. To the tune of the love boat. I, so like each week But a lot he more has... bloody. <laughs> uh, no, I'm sure your, your your dad never makes anybody bloody. I'm sure it's all... Well, that's... No, of course not, because his job is to deliver the anesthesia. It's not to uh, literally deliver the baby. But, I mean, yeah, he's done all kinds of anesthesia. I know he's met some celebrities. I can't say who, though, because uh, HIPAA. <laughs> oh, so this is this would be like uh, blind items. Blind items. So it would be like a gossip show. Yeah, gossip doc. Gossip doc. <laughs> XOXO gossip doc. And then the end is the doctor just getting arrested or something. For violating HIPAA laws. Drummed, drummed out of the hospital. <laughs> So if your dad doesn't mind sacrificing his career and his reputation, he has some really great opportunities. Well, if that if, the, if he, I mean, my dad's not Doctor Oz, so I don't know. <laughs> Same hospital though. <laughs> I was on Twitter. I saw that somebody like Doctor Oz was like tweet, you know, and this this has something to do with what we're about to talk about. Dr. Oz ran some dumb campaign ad being like, you know, wearing masks isn't science and da, da, da. And someone was like, I was an anesthesiology intern working with you when you were doing surgery. You had no problem wearing a mask for like the entirety of the surgery. So interesting how, how the might he have fallen. <laughs> so now you're going political. So you're telling me we're just alienating everybody, including my father and Stephen King. And Dr. Oz. Oh, man. They're all going to sue you. The trio. I, I'm, I'm not a part of this. I've, I've, you, you're I've on their side. <laughs> you're on their side. You're on the side of the angels. I've often thought you need to be brought down a peg. Wow, so you're going to team up with these three guys to do it. This is the squad that you think could finally... You're the fourth horseman of the, my apocalypse, is what is what you're saying. Then wouldn't you watch that movie? <laughs> Me, Dr. Oz, Stephen King, and your dad gang up to fight you. Finally, someone's all the listeners right now are applauding. <laughs> this is what they wanted to see me lose my crown. <laughs> oh, so you think you have a crown now? Oh, I, I, I know I do. 
I don't even know what to think about it. It's right here. <laughs> it's shiny. The shining? You oh, have a crown no. that's shiny. <laughs> What's we're, wrong with we're you? We're really going to get red rummed in court. <laughs> well, one of us will. <laughs> You'll represent Stephen King in the lawsuit. That could be a big break for me. It's all about you. It's all about you furthering your career at the expense of others. Mm -hmm. Well, it your expense. You might you would you would throw anyone under the bus just to further your career. Hmm. What we're about to talk about. Anyways, <laughs> Quincy Emmy. So you're trying to transition subtly. Yes. Back. But you're refusing to because you can't let anything go. Well, I, w I was thinking uh, the show about the corrupt lawyer willing to sacrifice anything to get ahead, even his own wife. That's also a good show. Yeah, that is a good show. Yeah. You're just full of ideas I'm, tonight. I'm, I'm fucking genius. That's what I This isn't the time to praise you. <laughs> We're supposed to be talking about Quincy. Yes, let's talk about Quincy. That's what we came here to do. That's what people are tuning in for. No one is tuning in to hear us talk about Quincy. That's fair. There's nobody like anxiously waiting by their iTunes or Apple's podcast feed. Oh, please, God. I hope there's going to be an episode released soon about Quincy. We live to disappoint our fans and listeners. I think the Quincy demographic, the, the Quincy supervans, are largely the deceased. super vans when they're like traveling in a caravan to come come watch at kevin i think a lot of people probably exist who have pleasant memories of this show okay i don't think it was a controversial show i don't think it was a hot show but i think it was one of those shows that people like oh yeah i remember watching that with my dad or something like that do you think the venn diagram of diehard quincy fans and people savvy enough to listen to podcasts is there much of an overlap there I, I think I don't think there's a lot of diehard Quincy fans is what I'm saying, but I think it's a show that people kind of caught once in a while and appreciated. It's been off the air for like 40 years, I'm guessing. Yeah. Well, listen, just because something's old doesn't mean it's not lovable. <laughs> yeah, I won't elaborate any further on that. <laughs> you and your youth culture obsession. So this, we so we literally randomly picked this because there were so, like, there's this was on YouTube, right? Yes, we watched this illegally, basically. We violated all sorts of copyright Okay, well, laws. maybe we should uh, cut that part out. But anyways, so we watched, <laughs> we picked this episode at random. We just sort of skimmed around, and then I said stop, and Kevin picked one. And the thumbnail was uh, Klugman yelling, Dr. Quincy yelling. So we're like, this is going to be good. And then it turns out we got the two-parter, Lake Tahoe medical conference episode. And it was great because uh, it was really enlivened by this subplot where this overweight, sweaty guy. <laughs> oh, yes. Like every few minutes, they cut to the scene of him looking at random cards, looking sad, giving someone money, and a guy who looks like Garrison Keeler without the glasses saying, oh, you shouldn't be losing all this money. That's not how we do it down in Lake Wobegon. And let me tell you guys that I I may have been losing my mind during those scenes, but I'm like fairly certain there was like a sleazy 70s sax solo playing in the background that sounded like a suspiciously similar to Hey Baby by No Doubt. Make of that what you will. I don't I don't know, but it had that similar sound, and uh, I don't know I'm what not, to do with that. I'm not familiar with that tune. I'm sure you're not, but I am, and it, it sounded like a riff from that song, and I was like, huh? So is that good? It's just, it's baffling, I guess, is the best is the best way to put it. Um, guy looks like he's about to drop dead. The car dealer looks like she's bored as hell. We don't know what the hell's going on with this. She keeps on pushing money down in this little slot thing, and I just... But you know what? Like, it was one of those... The thing about this show is, like, 
it really keeps you, that sounds terrible and it is, but it keeps you interested because it's short enough that you're like, huh? But you're not like some of these 70s shows, they'll have a scene like that, but it'll be going on for like 10 minutes. And you're like, what the fuck? This new to keep things quick paced, you know? So, so the scene probably went on for a total of like 20 minutes, but it was like spaced out in like 21 minutes. Subliminal messaging style. It was like 20 scenes lasting a minute each. Suddenly we started being like, we should go to Vegas and blow all our money. You're good at looking bored. I'm look. I'm good at looking old and pasty. And sweaty. Yeah, a lot of scenes involved uh, besuited gentlemen being dragged pasty face and sweating around the hotel. And I just, that's a Tuesday night for Kevin. <laughs> so, so the show opens with uh, a singer performing and falling sick. And then a comedian played by Buddy Hackett <laughs> Jesus. comes out and does a few minutes of jokes, which had you on the floor. And by on the floor, I mean like banging my head, wishing for death. <laughs> You said in real life he's much more filthy. Kind of a dirty comedian. You know him best for the uh, for playing uh, <laughs> Lou Costello yes. in the movie Bud and Lou with uh, Harvey Corman. The uh, the infamous milkshake scene. In which now that sounds dirty. It really sounds dirty, but I, it's not dirty at all. He he's uh, he's in his he's in his hospital bed, and. He's like smiling. He's got this big smile on his face. And he's like, you know, I remember this place had the best milkshakes. Then he dies. <laughs> like literally. No, that's not how it ha- Somebody gives him a milkshake. And he takes a sip of it. <laughs> and then he dies. And then he dies. And But he dies in such a way. Like he turns his head and like goes slack. And is like, bleh. <laughs> it looks ridiculous. It's a very funny scene. Even though it's about a real person dying. But it's like, it's it, unintentionally <laughs> hilarious. What a monster you are. You showed it to me, like, cracking up, so don't give me that. So, yeah, we um, he starts assaulting people, trying to say nobody eats when he's working, blah, blah, blah. Horrible stand-up. I almost suspected that Kevin secretly wrote this episode because... Love old-time show business. He loves old-time show business and all the weird comedy work that people did. And this also... this this made... He's doing all these bad jokes. Yeah. Very enthusiastically. The crowd eats it up. Don't you miss that time? Don't you think comics are way overrated now? Now now comics are like, oh, this is the person we need to listen to on everything. And it's like, okay. But, like, they're just a bunch of idiots who are getting up and rambling on, like us, you know? And, and like him. That's what... You're very anti-humor. I just, You hate comedians. I just think that in general, like... Co- comedians get too much re- we need to we need to swing the pendulum back to comedians getting less respect because like people make put their whole like political identity or like moral identity or ethical framework around like what their favorite comedians telling them and that's that's a w- th- this is what they are underneath they're just buddy hackett going around yelling at people for eating during his set so th- yeah i think we should go back to the old times so you're saying you want more buddy hackett's out there you, you, this was your type of humor. I'm saying we should view comedians as a buddy hack. This is your type of humor. This I'm, is what no, you want to see. No, this is not what I want. I'm just saying that like people, people get people get all crazy, and then there turns out their their fave is is terrible in some way, and then they all they all they have like an existential crisis, and it's like this is what these people are. They're just jokesters. They're just fools, jesters. <laughs> They're just stumbling around Lake Tahoe. In the middle of a crisis. So what what you're doing with this really over-the-top, ridiculous rant is you're giving us a taste of what Jack Klugman does a lot of in this episode. <laughs> yeah, I kind of am Jack Klugman in this, in this show, in a way. I will stop and just start ranting about something. In barely the, coherent. Barely coherent. It kind of makes emotional sense, but... But when you think about it for a second, <laughs> like your little comedian spiel makes no sense at all. It sounded almost okay in the moment. And then you look and back. And you said it very emotionally. And you look back and it you're like. It came from the heart. <laughs> it came from the heart. But you look back and you're like, what was she even talking about? <laughs> but, people, <laughs> but people respect the hell out of me. <laughs> well, uh. And in, and, in, and in The Odd Couple, he's a very sloppy journalist. And that's that's sort of my whole thing. So, and I also live with a very persnickety gentleman who has to have things just so. 
This man literally won't eat vegetables. This man. <laughs> well, you've tasted vegetables. They're not good. They are good. They are good. You're just ridiculous. I've never met another adult like this. Have you ever had a vegetable? Yes. They're not Frequently. good. Frequently. They're not good. No, they are good. You're just you're ridiculous. You have the taste of a teenager meets a toddler. They just don't taste good. And, you know, I'm a grown man. If I don't like the you taste wanna of something. You want to die early? Whatever. What's it to you, toots? Yeah, what's it to you? If I'm going to live fast and die young and leave an unvegetabled corpse, it's, that's my it's business. It's so sad that you think live fast, die young is is like just eating a bunch of crap until you die instead of like something actually cool, like drugs. So now you're telling people that drugs are cool. This is the message you're sending. <laughs> drugs aren't cool, kids. What's cool oh, wow. is drinking Coca-Cola, enjoying... Uh, Lots of candy. Candy. Fries. Root oh, beer. Jesus Christ. You're like a 1950s teenager going to like the fucking malt shop every week. And you're the guy in the leather jacket... <laughs> out on the street corner <laughs> telling me, boy, these drugs are really cool. They're making the chicks like you, Kevin. You're like, I'm high on life. I'm not addicted to sugar at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's let's get into this. No, you, you just said I'm persnickety, and now you're saying I'm eating sugar like you're a You're persnickety about eating sugar all the time. Sugar is good. Well, it can make you sick. And listen, people got sick in this episode, but not not because of sugar intake, because of other reasons. Uh, basically, in between the shots of this uh, sweaty guy playing gambling away his life, you have um, you have people sort of dropping like flies. And meanwhile, Doctor Quincy is there because they, they they fall sick. They fall sick, and Doctor Quincy not like tripping. Yeah, I think they fucking got that. <laughs> What? You didn't make it clear. I said people are getting sick. You see people dropping like flies. I don't think anyone imagined that like fly people were like dive bombing Lake Tahoe in this episode. It's not sci-fi. It's not a horror anthology. I don't think anyone listening has watched this episode or will watch it. <laughs> so we just, watch can't, it. we just can't just should... assume. You know what happens when you assume. <laughs> now let's see. We so Dr. Quincy is there because he's at this medical conference. A conference of coroners. Yeah. I will say I've been to an anesthesiology conference when I was a kid and it was it was pretty dope. And it was in Bermuda. Oh, it was dope? Yeah, we got cheap hotel rooms in Bermuda. And so my whole family went and it was amazing. So some some medical associations actually do have pretty cool conferences, in my experience. So th these guys do Lake Tahoe. Okay, a little bit less crazy, but they seem to be having a pretty good time. And they're wrapping it up. They're going to go gamble. They're going to go have some fun. But unfortunately, people are starting to get sick. So then they have to jump on it, even though they're typically working with dead patients, I guess. And now they're working with live people. and They're trying to stop a pandemic. And we, when we picked this episode, we did not realize it was going to be sort of relevant to 2022 you know, year whatever of this crazy pandemic that we're in. But, you know, th there you go. And, and so, something's resonated. Something's hit a little too hard. What they were basing this off on what was the uh, 1976 uh, Legionnaire's disease. They keep on referring to, like, Legion fever. They keep on calling it Legion fever. I only have heard of Legionnaire's disease. I don't know. Maybe that's when problematic. Of, when you think of Legion fever, don't you think of people who are, like, Legion of superheroes super fans? Or maybe fans of FX's Legion. Or maybe people who are really into Roman history. I don't know. I'm, I'm running out of legion. <laughs> they, uh, so that's sort of the mystery. The mystery is them figuring out what the hell's going on in this Lake Tahoe hotel slash casino. And the thing is, uh, for some reason, in Lake Tahoe in the 70s, if you're visiting a hotel and you get sick, you don't call a doctor. Yeah. You call room service. Yeah. If I, you know, Kevin, let's say Kevin and I are, are a 70s couple in this hotel. 
I'm like bleeding out my eyeballs. I'm sweating. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm slurring. I, I know I'm, I'm not making basically, any sense every so basically, day. Basically, yeah, every day. How, good, so I wouldn't good, be concerned at all. Yeah, you wouldn't do anything. But it, if you were the type to get concerned about your wife, the woman you love, then instead of calling you know, a physician or rushing me to the hospital yourself or calling an ambulance, you obviously check with hotel management about what to do next. Because then the hotel says, well, we can't call any outside help because then people would know people are getting sick. Yes. It's mare, the mare in Jaws syndrome where they're like, oh, it's bad for business, bad for business. We can't have an outbreak here. So let's, instead of getting professionals who can contain the outbreak, let's cover up the outbreak. <laughs> That's going to work. Well, Quincy seems to endorse it. Quincy's argument when he gets roped into things is basically, we need to keep this on the hush-hush because otherwise everyone will run out of here and the outbreak could potentially spread on a, on a national basis. Um, and basically they lock down the hotel. They, they force people to get medical examinations. They force young women to go to Quincy's hotel room and strip for him. <laughs> that scene is actually in this that's episode. in the episode and when the women come in to strip for him he is like taking off his shirt if in real life this would not be this would be like a dateline episode where it was like a bunch of pervs doing this it wouldn't <sighs> yeah so that that didn't age very well but otherwise it didn't age very well i mean the one thing that did age well was people start when people start panicking they're all screaming they're running around they're refusing to do anything so People reacting kind of in a heightened, dumb way sort of seemed apt, given given that we're in year, year what, like two of this pandemic? Year three? Year three, yeah. What well, is soon time? to be. I think the pandemic started in like yeah, March, March yeah. of uh, 2020. Yeah. So soon to be entering year three. So I think we've realized that, you know, without without really proper guidance, Americans are not, not very good at uh, reacting well to... Something so people they don't panic. Understand. Yeah. They, they, the the hotel tries to have security guards keep everybody in the hotel. People just leave anyway. And also, like, that would be where you'd actually want to get the CDC, the Nevada health authorities, and the local police involved because you'd want it. You'd want help locking it down if you felt you really had to lock it down. You know, at that I mean, at that point. So you don't think that. You wouldn't just put, uh, what if, like, two years ago, we put COVID into Quincy's hands? Oh, I think he would have solved it. Gotta love Dr. Quincy. <laughs> Even if he gets me dude. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, because he's, he's, like, he's the man of the people, so he's, like, standing on the tables yelling at everyone, like, calm down, calm down. Here's what we're doing. And in fairness, he does explain to them what's going on. And so, like, he, he has more credibility you know, for doing that than other hotel staff that were kind of bullshitting them. So I, I think he'd do a pretty good job with public health. He seemed to understand that, like, explain things clearly and make the expectations clear. That's going to be that's going to be a, a good, good aspect of a trust that most people are going to take it relatively well. So should the government have hired like uh, crusty character actors? To yeah, just press honestly, that probably people would have responded to that better. It's a shame Walter Brennan is dead. <laughs> sucks but um he also he also gives it to buddy hackett who's running off and trying to barge onto the plane airplane that they've commissioned to go send out uh medical samples of some of the dead people to uh quincy's lab and his his technician sam back in back in california he's yelling at him he's giving him a whole rant people are criticizing hackett for joking about monasteries and the military <laughs> Like, you guys will joke about anything, the pilot says. <laughs> what is going on? It sounds like you. I wasn't. You're, so, you're so anti-comic. I wasn't criticizing him for making jokes about stuff. I was criticizing us all for taking comics too seriously. Hi there. It's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. 
Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Okay, one one very, I don't know if you guys have ever been to a hotel like this, but has anyone ever, I mean, I'm curious, Kevin, have you ever been to a hotel that had a morgue? Yeah, this hotel apparently had a morgue where you could do autopsies. So it's Unless like, they were in the kitchen or something. <laughs> metallic tables, metallic yeah. cabinets. You know, I don't know. That's well, the you death went, kitchen. You, you went to the anesthesiologist convention. Was there a morgue there? Why would they have a? They're not supposed to. They're not supposed to work with dead people. They're supposed to anesthetize the living. So, do they have like little surgical beds or something? We oh. went to sleep at night. Did like anesthesiologists come in and put like a little mask on your face? And no. Tell you to just relax and not to fight it. Count backward from a hundred. It sounds like a fucking sleep paralysis, night terror. No, I've been in that society before. It was it was wild. I mean, I just thought that was a crazy experience. You want to discuss that? Yeah, I remember. I went. I was in. I was. I had to get jaw surgery because I had an open bite. And I went in, and the anesthesiologist talked to me, and she was very nice. And she asked me, oh, where are you going to college? And I said, William and Mary. And that's boom, out, then boom, back immediately. And my mouth is all left up, and I'm like. <laughs> and that's strange, because usually when you start talking about William and Mary, it's the listener. I know, right? I know. Uh, so mean. You're like buddy hacketing me. But. I was put under anesthesia. Yeah, didn't go once. so well for you, right? So they, they say, Kevin, let's make small talk. And I say, great, let's make small talk. And then the next thing I know, uh, there's people hitting my chest. And a face is right into mine telling me, breathe, breathe, breathe. <laughs> so like so an average, average Tuesday for you. Yeah. Since then, I've been uh, given anesthesia in other situations. So do you want to explain to the listeners what happened with the breathe, breathe? You went from like a kind of a, a fun little show about doctors, uh, like like your scrubs, to like your Grey's Anatomy disaster doctors situation. Well, yeah, it, it, it was funny because, you know, in hindsight, you think, well, if someone tells you to breathe, well, maybe you should breathe. But I remember at the time, thinking, just leave me alone. Let me die, please. Who has the time in this workaday world to take a breath? I just wanted them to leave me alone, but they kept on shaking me, and finally I said, "Fine," and I breathed. You're such a you're such a like ugh, contrarian that you would like. No, well, I don't know if I want to breathe. Hmm. I just remember finding it very annoying, and <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't fully awake, so you know you're in that dreamlike state. You're so you're a contrarian jackass, even when you're half asleep. <laughs> What what happened? Was it that you, that you, that you just didn't agree with the anesthesia? <laughs> yes, I had a moral disagreement with the anesthesia. I I I have uh, an illness, like a muscle illness, which uh, apparently one of the side effects of that was that certain types of anesthesia could potentially, in theory, kill me. <laughs> and we found out about that side effect that day. <laughs> What a way to find out. <laughs> and so since then, when I've had other procedures, they say, oh, this, it says here, Kevin, this anesthesia could potentially kill you. Would you rather we use something else? And I say, yes. yes you say, I actually, would. I think it was the small talk. <laughs> I only like to have big, deep conversations. <laughs> <laughs> so when I went in for my shoulder surgery, just uh, what they did was they just had a woman start talking about William and Mary. Oh. That's how we met. <laughs> One thing I'll say, though, about Quincy is that the show is catering to me in one specific way. A lot of modern day medical shows, you know, they like they kind of like do something movie TV magic. And, you know, you're kind of seeing dead bodies getting cut open and like internal stuff. I don't want to see that shit. I personally don't want to see that shit. 
I don't want to see it at all. This show respectfully keeps the camera up on the doctors. So we're not seeing shit in terms of any sort of autopsies. I think that's respectful, and I appreciate it. More shows should follow suit. So do you feel that generally shows today show too much? Yes. Too much too much cutting. I get very squeamish about that stuff. It's like, what's a show that you think does that? Give me an example. House. I mean, every name a medical show. You're all seeing. You're all seeing people cutting, cutting cadavers. Not a fan. So you 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 admired the taste. Yeah, I mean, I just it makes me squeamish. I'm sure it makes other people squeamish, and it's just sort of unnecessary. Because I mean, it's not real, so it's not. I mean, I don't know. If it's like a movie or something fancy, sure. But I mean, these kind of medical procedurals. What do we? What do we really want? Do we really want to see them? Cutting open somebody. I understand why they changed it because they wanted to show off. Oh, look, we can make it look like real and shit. But I don't like that. <laughs> so I like this better. See, you were born too late. You would I know. You would love this. I would have been a Quincy super fan. Or a super van, as you say. <laughs> Your strange Hoosier accent. You're a Hoosier now. You're either born a Hoosier or you're not born a Hoosier. I was not born a Hoosier. I think it's like the anesthesia thing where suddenly you black out and when you come to, suddenly you're a oh Hoosier. Oh, God, what a nightmare. <laughs> or is it like the disease in this? In this, You're not sure. We're not sure if it's viral, bacterial. We don't know what... <laughs> Could be food poisoning. Somehow you you become a Hoosier. <laughs> and it's happened to you. Hoosier Anya Kane. So what are the symptoms? Do I care about like race car driving now or like? Uh, Hoosiers are always very polite, very considerate. So it hasn't happened to you yet. <laughs> I'm glad you admit that I'm not a Hoosier. But I'm keeping my fingers <laughs> crossed. <laughs> Uh, and so not only is this show interspersed with shots of hands playing cards and that sweaty guy, but we also get treated to some musical acts, including a rendition of like the whitest people you've ever seen singing Proud Mary. <laughs> so that was fun. And then uh, one act that you found very tasteless. What song was this woman singing in the middle of a pandemic where people were getting high fevers? She was singing a song about, oh, when I look at you, I feel a burning inside. It's called Heat Wave. <laughs> but I think we both enjoyed the weird Lake Tahoe ambiance. At first, we both thought it was Vegas, but I guess it's kind of same thing. And speaking of tasteful stuff, so the hotel doctor, who's kind of a schlubbish guy, he has a wife who is having a very tasteful affair with the owner of the hotel, played by veteran character actor Van Johnson, who you, of course, remember best for his role in Lakaja Falls. I didn't understand any word in that sentence. You were asking what was going on with his hair. I remember that. But we don't. We didn't see any like explicit hardcore porn scenes between Van Johnson and the doctor's wife. So I'm saying that's another sign of the taste of Very Quincy. tasteful. It's very tasteful. Yeah, because basically we're told that the young doctor who's sort of the house doctor of this hotel, he went to Harvard. He was one of the greats. He was like a tremendous natural surgeon, but he kind of gave up on trying to get a good job for some reason that's not really made clear and ended up, you know, with this sort of sad job just tending to basic stuff at a hotel and his wife is uh isn't into him anymore because of the his lack of ambition and uh and uh, of course Quincy gives him an impassioned speech about why don't you care anymore da 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 <laughs> love him he's so great he just comes in and goes these gives these big speeches it really is just like you <laughs> <laughs> he cares deeply about everything it must be exhausting on you. It is. And 
so there's a couple of theories that emerge early on. And we know, I mean, I don't know, but I mean, I figured pretty early, okay, this is going to have to be some sort of man-made crisis because otherwise, if it turned out to be a virus, that wouldn't be a very satisfying medical procedural. It's not that kind of medical procedural. It's not like house where the culprit is something medical. It has to be something murderish. I mean, maybe other episodes are different. I don't know. But all the Quincy episodes I saw involved Which murder. Which is one. This is the only episode you've seen, right? No, I've, I've seen others. Oh, you have? I didn't even know that. I've, like, it was one, it was something I'd be, like, half watching on MeTV waiting for, like, Hogan's Heroes or something. Right. It, it so is MeTV and MeTV? Mm-hmm. So it's all Quincy all the time. All Quincy all the time. All medical examiner. <laughs> But they, uh, so you think, okay, it's going to be man-made, so there's a couple possible culprits. These, uh, these mafiosis who are trying to purchase the hotel on the cheap. It turns out the overweight guy playing cards with Garrison Keeler and the board uh, card dealer, they're involved in the mafia. Yeah. And uh, that guy ends up dying, not of the, he gets sick, but then he's actually smothered to death by his associate. So there's an actual murder, and Quincy ends up solving that one right quick. And then, you know, there's a possibility that they were poisoned in some, in some other instance, and you kind of start wondering what the hell, why are they focusing so much on the affair between the doctor's wife and the hotel owner? And then... Something horrible happens. Something very disturbing. I know very disturbing for me and very disturbing for one Kevin Greenlee, noted. This is this is we canine been, crusader. You've been lover going, of dogs. You've been going on and on about how tasteful this show is. Yeah, how this they don't was, this they was don't tasteless. they don't show you things you don't want to see. I'm saying this was bad. I didn't like this. A dog dies, <laughs> and we have shot after shot lingering on the corpse of the dead dog. Old Shaughnessy. So it's like, like imagine if like another kind of director would take shots of like a Vegas showgirl being like all sexy. (laughs) These are the kind of shots, these long lingering shots of this dead dog. So you're saying it's like the male gaze except for, except for a dead dog. (laughs) Yes. It was disturbing. I didn't (laughs) want to see that. No, I didn't either. And then we get the doctor running around. So the doctor, the young doctor, sort of realizes, okay, something's something's up. So he runs around, autopsies his own dog. Yikes. And then figures out. Yeah, what would that be like? Yeah, that awful. Jesus. We have a dog. I was trying to cover Lanny's eyes during this whole scene. <laughs> Lanny, of course, is our dog. Can you imagine slicing up your dog? No. I don't want to. <laughs> He says, oh, this dog, it's its a hot dog. It's really baked, baking. Because I guess it was so feverish from uh, getting sick. God, ugh. We should, we yeah, should. we should move on. Um, So he figures out that basically the dog was poisoned, and then he figures out that basically the baking soda was accidentally swapped for some, like, rat poison. And that he, you know, kind of... He ends up doing a press conference with Dr. Quincy, and everyone's all like, Dr. Quincy, don't you feel upstaged? Fucking journalists trying to start something. And, uh, you know, this guy's taking all the credit. He's getting all this, you know, aspects. His wife is totally into him now because he's a successful doctor who stopped the pandemic. So you cook a lot. Have you ever confused, like, rat poison with baking soda? No, but I did, I did confuse something that caused some problems once. <laughs> <laughs> in college. What, what well, I, you probably don't want to hear about it because it was at William and Mary. No, tell us. So, I don't drink anymore because I'm an alcoholic, recovering alcoholic. I've been sober for two years now. Go Yay. me. Yay. But um, I used to drink a lot and some of the problematic drinking started in college. But at one point, uh, my college newspaper and the one of the frats had sort of some sort of like one of the editors was in both so we kind of like had a mixer thing and <laughs> me and some of my editors were like let's do tequila shots and of course if you've ever done a tequila shot you uh take it with salt that enhances the flavor or so i've been told i, I, I 
whatever. So I, I get everyone together and I give everyone some salt and I give everyone some tequila and we all do the shot and then we take the salt and uh, it was sugar. I accidentally, <laughs> there was, they, someone put out sugar. I mean, I, I don't think it was my fault. It was probably your fault. Everyone acted like it was my fault. Yeah, and let me tell right. you, that was really disgusting. It was, you don't want to, you don't want to do that. And I guess I have the opposite story. Because back long ago in the dark days before I, I knew you, <laughs> and I would occasionally spend time with other women. Sometimes I'd spend decades with other women. So, <laughs> Jesus, that's dark. So in, in one of these occasions, uh, me and, and a friend, by which I mean a woman, we go... <laughs> women can be friends, Kevin. <laughs> that's what I mean. Just to me and this woman. Who's, who's Why not are you, you sweating so much? <laughs> She's not you. But this this woman and I go to uh, a diner in uh, South Carolina. <laughs> you went to a diner in South Carolina. Yes. And uh, did you never see a woman finer? She ordered uh, a lemon shake up, which, as you know, is basically, in essence, like a fancy version of lemonade. It is. It's very good. It's delicious. She takes uh, a big swig of it. And it's horrified. <laughs> oh, God. Because the people in the kitchen, had an, a key ingredient is, is a copious amounts of sugar. But they had put in copious amounts of salt. Oh, what? That's embarrassing. And she said, I think they put salt in this. And I said, no, they couldn't have done this. This is a diner. And I took a sip and I said, well, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you tried to mansplain her own lemon shake up to her? Typical. Because I got a lemon shake up too, and mine was fine. <laughs> they just liked you, and they wanted to send a message to her. I guess. <laughs> God, yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to fuck around. But I, I think, I think the key thing is don't keep your industrial commercial rat poison where you keep your baking soda. And frankly, I think you know, they they talked about how they were such a clean hotel, such a clean casino. I would, I would expect that they would have, you know been looked over pretty carefully by the health inspector so it baffling. sounds to me it mm. sounds to me like you're a little bit suspicious of I this got, alleged i got suspicious of this young upstart surgeon with his fancy degrees from harvard the second he stepped on this podium to talk to the press because then i'm like okay the episode's not over we've got about like five to ten minutes left and quincy has a frowny face and this guy's taking all the credit. And obviously we know that if Quincy's not getting all the credit, something's wrong. Something ain't Something right. Something ain't right in the universe. So Quincy goes out yachting with this guy or goes out to meet him for a yacht and basically accuses him. You poison these people basically to impress your wife. Impress your wife. And listen, I mean, if I had a dollar for any every time Kevin did something like that, you know, I'd be a rich woman. That's why you married me. <laughs> I know how to impress a woman. It's got to poison a bunch of people. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of the... So and he tries to explain it. He tries to justify it. But he's, he says, you know what it's like to have the woman you love look at you like you're a microscopic vermin. <laughs> and of course, I know exactly what that's like. That's the look Kevin wakes up to every morning. <laughs> and that's the and that's the mystery. So Quincy solved it. It was murder most foul. And uh you know, it's I mean, they kind of act like, "Oh, the hotel's going to be fine cuz the mafia guys got arrested." But I mean, I think if you employed someone who ended up murdering a bunch of your guests, that would probably be pretty bad press as well. Right? If not worse. If not if worse. If you hire a doctor. Yeah. To treat your guests. And that doctor kills his dog and also kills the guests. Yeah. They're they're acting like, don't worry, everybody. It was just murder. It's like, that's worse. If, it, just, if it's like some a freak accident where people transmit a virus, that's bad. But having, in, having the bad judgment to employ somebody who would kill people just to get ahead is So you, ha you, you have to, we're going on our second honeymoon. We're not going to Lake Tahoe. That's for we sure. Have, we have to choose. 
we can go to a resort, an all-inclusive resort, where the chef accidentally mixed up baking soda and rat poison. <laughs> or we can go to an all-inclusive resort where the doctor kills people to impress his wife. Maybe we could Which just, one do you go to? Maybe we could just do a staycation. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to say definitely number one. You know, the intent matters, right? Accidents, you know, that's why they put erases on pencils, as you say. But, you know, when you want to, when you, when you're just trying to, when you're going to throw your do fucking dog, beautiful Irish setter under the bus. Shaughnessy. Old Shaughnessy deserved better. Deserves justice. And Quincy got that justice for Shaughnessy and the humans who also died. But mainly for Shaughnessy. But mainly for Shaughnessy. Because you notice Quincy didn't care enough to put all the pieces together until after Shaughnessy died. Yeah, that motivated him. He was like, yeah, kid died. <laughs> Sucks. And then Shaughnessy died. And he's running around. <laughs> Yeah, really, you know, Quincy's also working to try to solve the mystery with, like, other coroners. And, like, one of the coroners gets all upset and teary because, like, he's dealing with a dead body. It's like, what? Is this what this man does for a living? In fairness, though, I mean, he was on vacation. He just wanted, like, maybe he just wanted to relax. And now he's like, my wife is right. I really do take work everywhere with me. People are dropping like, I wonder, I mean, uh, uh, by this logic, I mean, shouldn't Quincy come under scrutiny? Because everywhere he goes, death follows. Couldn't he be the greatest serial killer of TV history? Isn't that what they say about Jessica Fletcher? Yeah. He and Jessica Fletcher get together, become a evil murder couple. So are you standing Jack Klugman and Angela Lansbury? I'm just saying they have a similar MO. Could could complement one another. Would you imagine they'd have like really great sexual chemistry? You're apparently imagining something. Well, you brought it up. <laughs> I can imagine he like brings her flowers and Get help. <laughs> Somebody anesthetize this guy. But not with the dangerous one. Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed this. I thought it was wacky. It was fast-paced. Klugman kind of anchors it in a weird way, even though he's kind of making all these ridiculous speeches. You like, He's very compelling. And, you know, it had a sense of tension and urgency, and I really didn't know where it was going until the end. And so I, I thought this was a very fun procedural. It didn't feel like a long two-parter. What's your take? So it sounds like you think instead of snake eyes, they uh, hit the craps. <laughs> what, what, is there, <laughs> what do you call it when you do what you want in craps? <laughs> yeah, they hit the craps, baby. That sounds like something that happens when you eat your White Castle. <laughs> what did you think of this episode? It was very entertaining. What did you like about it? Uh, Jack Klugman's very charismatic. I'd say that with Snake Eyes, Quincy Emmy hits the jackpot. Thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenley, who's no relation to me. He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com. You can follow us on Twitter at mystery to me. That's mystery underscore two underscore me underscore and at mystery to me podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mystery to me podcast.